Welcome to Standout Life, a podcast dedicated to living boldly amongst the busyness. My name's Ali Hill, and as a psychologist, I love asking people questions. And I thought, what better way to do this than to get the people I admire into a studio to share their stories? This podcast is our corner of the world where all of us can dive deep into what it takes to live a standout life. I met this beautiful woman at Eden Retreat in Currumbin Valley and since then I've seen her launch her new online network where she's shaking things up. Carissa Walford has established herself as the true triple threat within the Australian media industry. TV host, producer, journalist and founder of the In Bed with Carissa Network. Carissa rose to prominence as the female face of Foxtel's Channel V. She garnered her broadcasting skills producing and hosting live television programs every single week for a staggering five years. Carissa has interviewed some of the biggest international celebrities in the business, including Justin Bieber, Harry Styles, Kim Kardashian and Mark Wahlberg. Her authenticity and refreshing personality absolutely came through in our conversation. We talked about the drive to shift careers and how critical a role purpose has been in establishing what's next for her and how important really purpose is for all of us, getting clear on what matters to you and how can you focus on doing that in the work that you do. Carissa shares personal insights and invites all of us to consider that maybe, just maybe, there's another way. This was one of those conversations that absolutely could have kept going longer than it did. And I know that you're going to get as much out of our chat together as I did speaking with the warm and the beautiful Carissa Walford. Carissa, welcome to the studio. Thank you for having me. You, feel very, you look very comfortable. This looks like a bit of a home for you. We're just talking about headphones. Yes. <laughs> on. It's a bit of a safety net for me. I do like the headphones on. There's something really like comfortable about it. It's like going home, taking your clothes off and putting on your favourite like ugly pyjamas and hideous robe. Like it feels a little <laughs> bit like that. Like I, I feel like myself <laughs> with these headphones on. This is part of the work. This is part of what you've done, which we'll reveal yeah. in, a, in a moment. Um, you know, I was thinking, you know, environments kind of impact our world. And, and I was even thinking about how we connected mm. and had the opportunity to, um, to meet in the beautiful Eden mm. retreat up in the gorgeous Grumman Valley. There's this acre of nature kind mm-hmm. of wonderland. Oh, it was stunning. It just changes you, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it really changes did. you. No phone for five days, I think it was, a, a digital detox for us. And then... Um, you know, we did some Pilates, some yoga, and then we had these amazing sessions and you you were one of the talkers, which was really cool. Yeah, look, it was lovely to connect with you. And I was thinking, like, today we're sitting here in Sydney and this is kind of your yeah. hometown. Where do you go to ground yourself? I go home to my mum's house. Um, I was just thinking about that this morning. I So I live on the northern beaches. Um, I've sort of been, you know, here, there and everywhere in Sydney, lived in Bondi, but I grew, out, I grew up out west. So um, I grew up in a suburb called Greystains and it's about, I don't know, maybe 50 minutes on the M4. You're probably like, the what? Um, (laughs) North, south, west. Just like west, (laughs) in the suburbs. Um, And yeah, I 
now more than ever, I probably never used to say that. I would just say, oh, I'm from Bondi or, you know, I'm from the Northern Beaches. But now more than ever, I feel really proud to be able to say, I grew up in the Western suburbs and I love nothing more than to go home because that is where I feel like I'm my, my most self and I'm my most comfortable. And there's that that beautiful sense of, I don't know, just freedom. What's changed for you in that where you kind of went, oh, before I wouldn't, but now more than ever? I kind of want to admit that. I think I think resistance. I think a lot of us go through, you know, you go through life and chapters um, trying to mould yourself into who you want other people to be. I think there's a lot of that with me. Obviously, with what I do in the entertainment industry, I've, you know, always been strategic from day dot. So I probably felt a little bit embarrassed that if I exposed the fact that I wasn't, you know, rich or lived in a ritzy, beautiful um, house on the water of Mothman that I wouldn't be accepted. So, you know, even as a 19-year-old hustling, like driving in the city, got, you know, back and forth doing castings, I would never say where I was from. Um, and funny enough now, every single person that I really like connect with or meet and I, I you know, find out where they, where they grew up, um, they're from the Western suburbs. It's this thing that we all have. We're just like hustlers at heart. And I think now there's, there's something to be proud of with, with that coming from from out there and, like, it's I had an amazing, like, privileged upbringing, don't get me wrong, but, like, um, I think you just start to realise well, that that's what makes, that's what made me who I am. So why wouldn't I be proud? It's fascinating, almost that hidden gold that you've kind of uncovered or that, mm. yeah, that, the legacy and going, yeah. yeah, hey, I'm part of that and, and, and yeah. proud of that. Yeah. So you mentioned you've, you've kind of worked in the entertainment e- industry, in the media industry, and you've worked in a whole range of different areas from TV host to, um, to producer. Mm-hmm. What was it that drew you? that drew you, I guess, to the media industry? Why? Why did that appeal to you? Well, I think, so what initially appealed to me, and funny enough, I was at my mum's house last night, we had a home-cooked meal, and my sister decided to put on some old kind of tapes of us as a kid, and we're six years apart, and the entire time it was, it became a bit of a reflecting moment for me today, kind of thinking about my childhood and what I was like, and I was just obsessed with the camera and with entertaining and performing, and just, I was an absolute annoying idiot. I was like, oh my God, can we turn this off? But for a second there, I was like, this is really interesting. I'm finding that I'm learning a lot about myself or remembering where I've come from. And that, I think for me, fundamentally as a child, I was a, I was an entertainer. You know, my dad's a singer. Um, that I wanted to be a singer and a dancer and an actress. And I, you know, I wanted to kind of get into the entertainment industry. I just was fascinated by all aspects of it. So, you know, I was put into singing lessons and dancing lessons, I think, when I was four um, and trained in performing arts. And when I left school, that was exa- that's exactly what I did. Like I went to a performing arts school and there was no question in my mind that I had to be an entertainer, I had to be a performer. So I love that sense of remembering. Mm. It's almost like there was an essence that was always there or a kind of yeah. playful kind of um, character, for want of a better word, yep. that that was always there rather than finding the pieces. Do you remember a moment of yeah. going, like, career-wise, that's what I'm going to do? Because it's something to do singing, it's something to do, um, you know, drama or acting at school. It's another decision to go, I want to make mm. a career of it. Yeah, I think 
my driving force behind it all was that I never ever, I knew from a really young age, and it's really interesting um, to kind of reflect on this now, I knew from a really young age, I was like seven years old and I would lie in bed and pray that like I just want to work, I want to make money and do a job that I love. Like I never want to be one of those people that just churn and burns nine to five. Like I knew that as a seven-year-old. I probably saw that in like someone like my mum who I love, but she was just, you know, um, a working mum but looked after us. She was a stay-at-home mum like but worked three days a week and it was just about the exchange of money mm-hmm. and I'd never been driven by that. I was more driven by the idea of imagine living the rest of my life getting paid to do what I love. Like li- like that would be the, that was the ultimate for me. So that's kind of where it started and it's pretty young to kind of yeah. almost be having that aha uh-huh moment. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, is it funny. possible and let's chase it? Totally. And I think because my dad obviously is from that background, he as a child was like my biggest idol. What, did he make a career of it? Was that part of his? Yeah, he or? was like a like a session singer and would, you know, do, you know, backing vocals or drums for like a Marsha Hines. So he's def- he was definitely in like the music scene. I wouldn't say he became a John Farnham at all, even though he likes to think so. <laughs> um, but that, you know, him and I connect on that that level, like that's where I probably, you know, got my singing ability from. But it 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 took a bit of, you know, trial and error. I loved everything. I loved singing. I loved dancing. I could, oh, I could be in a music video, but I, I want to record an album. Like I was so strategic. I like made sure that I got an internship at Sony BMG because I was like, okay, well then I can record my album at my uncle's studio. Dad will help me. And then I'll just like slip the marketing manager my <laughs> my demo. And then, you know, next minute Ta-da, I'll, on here we are, like <laughs> pop star. Like, yes, definitely um, wanted to be a pop star and tried and knew that the entertainment industry was really strategic, so I became strategic from get-go. And the the sort of media world or TV presenting um, job, I didn't really know of until I got a little bit older and I was like, oh, okay, um, that's a stable job. Like I was sort of running around chasing my tail, performing in like pubs and auditioning and, and then I was modelling and I was doing everything and that was kind of exhausting. So I was like, what can I do that's like a bit more stable? And I was like, oh, there's this thing called like music television, like TV presenting. I could talk about music and I like being in front of the camera. Okay, maybe I take that seriously and run with that. So what was your yeah. entry into that? Like, so one thing to kind of make the call, where where did you go next? Is it about learning the art and craft of yeah. television? Is it about getting, is it networks and getting to know people? Yeah, it was the learning, the learning the craft. Um, yeah, again, I think from a really young age, I knew that you need it, you need to be good at it though. Like don't, you need to really hone in on your skill and you need to, you know, you need to, I went to NIDA, I was had to enrol, had to go there and I did like a year presenting course. And then I just had an agent who knew that I was interested in television and just got, I got my foot in the door at like at Fox Sports and was doing some stuff there and just getting runs on the board and learning. And I loved just sitting in a studio and just watching how the entire production unfold and unfolded and like where like how a presenter comes in, like what that role was. So there was a lot of that going on, just kind of like observing and um, doing bits and pieces. And 
um, really trying to be the best TV presenter I could be. You know, I did voiceover, like, um, sessions. Like, I just really craved the education around it. So then I was in the best position to get a role when and if, like, something came up. And I was, you know, I was watching Channel V at the time and I was like, that's that's it. That's what I want. I want to be on Channel V. Combination of the music. Yeah. The presenting. Yeah. The art. And, and I, yeah, it was this thing, it was this like innate belief that I was going to get it. I just didn't know how. You've had some pretty remarkable moments across that kind of entertainment career, meeting, interviewing people. And mm. we were chatting just even off mic. One of your <laughs> kind of probably, um, I'm going to call it a secret skill, is mm. that ability of kind of finding a way into a conversation or a question that maybe is an angle that hasn't been used before. Yes. Uh, what did you What did you learn most, or what were the skills that have kind of stuck with you around some of those experiences? Um, with with interviewing, yes, yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing, and at the time when I had landed this role on Channel V, I you know hadn't studied journalism at all. I knew how to be on camera, and I, you know I had a natural ability to kind of talk to people. I was super curious, and you know just naturally was great, good at communicating. Like ended at that, and I had a lot of music knowledge. Um, but over time, over years, I I really found the art of interviewing again it was just the thing i was like oh this is really this is really interesting like i want to be able to pull different interesting stories that is going to you know benefit and inspire and educate an audience um so okay how do i how do i how do i do that and i think it was i think for me without knowing it i didn't really know that there was a skill set for it but just just being open in myself I think allowed the guests to then bear a little bit more because maybe I didn't have um, a background, like I didn't do a journalism degree at that point, so I wasn't robotic or strategic in the questions. I was just having a conversation which then allowed them to open up and tell stories that I think sometimes maybe no skilled journalist can get out of another person if you're not vulnerable and yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't I'm connect. Going, um, and I'm selfishly going, like, what tips do you have? Is there ways or methodologies if you – and sometimes it can <laughs> yeah. be hard when you look back because it kind of happens in the moment. Yeah. But um, was there anything that you kind of went, oh, actually that – so that ability to work really well, is it the ability to mm-hmm. allow people to feel really comfortable? Is it, you know, I love yeah. that sense of curiosity as yeah, well. What yeah. comes to mind for you? I think the, the curiosity thing, just being so, so curious about someone's like life and particularly with with like musicians and how I loved music, the process of writing a song or an mm-hmm. album and all the bits and pieces around it. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, you you like the, the music is their story and their art. So there was so there's always so much to delve into to to learn from what their pain or their suffering or their happiness is through their their song. So I think like I would connect with the with the music or the single that they're releasing or promoting, and then I'd be curious in the lyrics. I reckon that's kind of where I would. St- where I would start mm, yeah, and then I would build out like maybe doing some other research without reading too much of other people's stuff but just honing in on their story because, the, you know, at the end of the day, everyone, doesn't matter if you're Justin Bieber or Kim Kardashian or Joe Blow, you, you're, gonna, you're going to 
get them to light up when you get pull pull on the heartstrings of their experiences at the end of the day. Yeah, I imagine. I love that sense of the lyrics because there's something really emotional and raw and um, it's the seed of... Mm. uh, And music has this way of kind of connecting and and particularly if you've got a love of that as an interviewer. I can imagine that would have come through. Was there a moment in that... uh, in particularly in that time in the uh, entertainment world that um, stands out for you? It was, was, oh God. um, It's like one of those moments where, you know, things just come together or it just worked or, uh, you know, a conversation or you got to see an artist light up in a way that you hadn't seen them before. Yeah, I feel like, you know what, I wish I'd have, I wish that I could like recall. <laughs> oh, actually, well, they would be all on camera, but I wish I could go back and relive some of those moments. It's it's like it, it would, I always was able to measure a great interview when I knew that there was that moment and that I can't even remember because I'm like, at the end, the result I wanted at the end of every interview was for to see the artist light up in some way and whatever it was. And I knew I did a good interview if I felt that that energy, that sense of connection in whatever it was that they were um, kind of talking about. I feel like every interview I had to have that. So there were, God, there's so many amazing moments I feel like I've like forgotten. <laughs> but... Um, and also, they were all so different for so many kind of different reasons. Yeah, it's it's interesting. That's a hard question. Can no, I come that's back to fine. That? I love that essence of seeing them <laughs> light up and and that that's almost the seed of the thing. Yeah, that you're it's, it was, it's for. not like this big like song and dance or you know like something really dramatic that that happened. I think it was all in the little moments and the the storytelling that I felt was the. how I measured a true success of like of an interview. I'm really fascinated because not only have you been in front of the camera as a as a TV host Mm -hmm. uh, but you also have this muscle of of producing as well and it's it's a whole nother skill set and you just you just use that word then around storytelling Mm -hmm. that a big part of media no matter what the platform Mm -hmm. um, is about captivating through a story when I guess um, that the difference between being a TV host versus a producer is there one of those that um, I guess pulls you more or uh, highlights a, an essence of who you are more than the, the than the other one? Um, well, I guess by nature I naturally you know was good on camera, but by kind of being thrown into the deep end and you, if you speak to any kind of Channel V host like like an Andrew G or a Yumi Steins or a Danny Clayton, um, all of us know that Channel V was almost like going to university. It was the best um, place to learn how to become the best presenter, producer, TV host you could be. There's actually, you cannot get a job and just be a a host unless you're in America and you're working on a massive show or, you know, there might be a few on commercial television here where, you know, you've got three producers and writers and they're just, you know, they hand you your script and you just turn up and you read autocue. But in this, like now in the, in 
in the way television is, I, it's very, 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 very rare unless you're like, you know, Tracy Grimshaw or Carl Stefanovic. You, TV host is almost like the last thing because at Channel V, it, it, you learn how to produce. You learn how to hit the ground running, research, um, understand your audience and creatively come up with segments um, and interview concepts that would put together a, you know, we were doing a live television show every week. So half an hour show required a lot of content. Like there was four of us. You could not get a job like that and not not learn how to write and produce mm. um, and understand the big picture. And I imagine the ability to be able to see something in a moment and go there, go there, and then this is how I can talk about that. Exactly. So yeah, exactly. producing and... Yeah. Presenting at the same time. Yeah, and it's it's at the end of the day, it's music journalism. We would go through and look at the news and look at what was relevant for our channel, for our show, and then figure out creative, funny ways. I mean, part of um, one of our shows was that we would do we would do skits or we would build out like um, an idea based on something that was happening in the news. So it was very, very, very creative. And then we would go and film those four or five minute segments that week to then present at the show. So. Uh, the presenting or hosting part or the on-camera part is like 20% of, of it all. I didn't even realise that going into it. And I think even young girls now that approach me or, you know, really aspire to be on TV um, or be a, a presenter, like it's like the one thing I always say is that, well, is it because you just want to be famous and you like the idea of or you think it's a, this glamorized kind of industry and you can just be pretty on camera or are you really just interested in telling like people's stories and are you, you know, create, like there's so many other like prerequisites that you need to, that are more important than just being a talking head. Um, was that yeah. a realisation you had at all or was it always about show me the story, I want to learn oh the behind the scenes? I... I always wanted to, like, I always loved behind the scenes, always loved every aspect of, of production. I th- Of course, I was super naive. I was in over my head. I could not believe I got this role. And <laughs> give me I, a microphone. I'll like, figure just, it out. <laughs> like, I just did think, like, give me a microphone and a camera. And, I, I you know, I did go into it thinking, you, aren't you just telling me what to say? And then it, uh, it was the most challenging thing, role of my life and the most um, rewarding was that I grew enormously because I was just thrown into the thrown into the deep end and had to learn on the job and had the most incredible people around me, the best people in the in the biz um, to learn from and soak up all of that knowledge. And it is one of those things. It's it's practical. You have to just get on set and make those mistakes and on live television and figure out how to pick up conversation or detour or. Um, so yeah, I found it really, really, really hard. It was a muscle and a skill set that I did not have going into it. I was completely blindsided, um, but I really worked hard, but I was a slow learner. It took me a really long time. It was, my, it was like my biggest insecurity. I was like, oh my God, like I'm just not good at producing. I just felt so much more comfortable at that point just being told like kind of what to say. So I was like, I'm comfortable with with the speaking part, but I'm a little bit self-conscious about the writing part. Mm-hmm. And that was a muscle I had to really, really build. And I think it's completely come, become, like come full circle now. What helped you to build that muscle? Just, I think just absorbing the other presenters around me, kind of 
sitting there doing the work, learning how to actually write a script, understanding how vision and words come together and putting a segment together and um, it, it was doing the work. Like it was actually just, it wasn't something that was going to happen overnight for me. It kind of chipped away over days, weeks, months, years until I finally felt like, okay, I can, I'm a producer. Like I, I am writing um, for and putting together packages for a half an hour you know, live television show. And in the end, um, like kind of like the last year at Channel V, I got my own television show, which was, which was really cool because you sort of strive that they're like your promotion when you're, when you work on TV, it's like, you never know budget wise if that's ever going to happen. So it was really cool that my last final year at Channel V, I got a show that was based around everything that I wanted to talk about. Um, and that, I think that was like the ultimate reward at the end of the day. So I can imagine that would be really cool to be able to go, right, now I can... Yeah, and people asking my... you, like, well, what do you want to talk about, like, as well? Because it, well, it's it's not like that, you know. You you work under a big network and a big corporation. Um, there are rules. There are certain ways that you need to portray yourself and, and talk, and there's a character that you play as well. Um, so... You know, I had to attend. Attend. I knew I was very aware of the of that person that I was playing, and there was there's lots there's lots to say about that, um, which kind of took me far far away of who I am because I again my strategic mind got so into it that I actually ended up being you know an unauthentic version of myself at one point because I was just would say would just do anything to make great television. Right. I was so like a rubber arm, like I like like I didn't have my own values or my own like boundaries of what I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really, I sort of fell out of love of, of presenting when I realised the beast of it at one point. I really under- was like, oh, this is a, yeah, this is a big wheel and I'm just a part, a moving part here and I'm like a puppet now. Oh, okay, yep, I get this. You know, after five years, kind of finally realised that there's a role to play. And I can imagine it makes sense why it takes that time because if you're getting rewarded or not rewarded mm. in the sense of uh, segments are going well or mm. um, accolades or mm. support along the way, then, oh, well, I'm, I'm doing a good job. That can be part of that feedback. Was, was that realisation, was there a moment around a realisation? Was there an aha or did, did it kind of evolve for you? to go, this is, I'm losing me. Yes. So at the end of my journey at Channel V, I I was ready to go. I was, you know, just like anything, I had reached that point where I'd learnt everything um, and I wanted to move on. I was trying to figure out how can I scale up from here? What is the next step for me? Um, but I, I had that moment a few times but knew that I had to kind of hold on and just get some more experience under my belt, get some more accolades under my belt and just... Um, figure out who I was a little bit more and what I stood for. I was, I still did not know. I th- you think you're mature and you, you know, you, you know who you are, but my goodness, I, I was still so naive and, and, and didn't really know how to evolve from that point. But I did know that I wasn't learning anymore and I was hitting a brick wall and I was done with that character that I created, like the persona of, of how people know me on the on this channel on these shows because I was growing up and I was 
you know, starting to like new things and like explore other um, genres of and interests. Um, but, you know, when you're in music television, you have to talk just about music and I wanted to expand that. Um, just like anything, you, you, you kind of get to a point where you need to like cut the cord and step into oblivion and figure out, okay, well, if I'm going to evolve, staying here isn't going to do that for me. I well, have to move on. sounds like a graduation. Yeah. It like, sounds a moment. And, and There we go. We graduated <laughs> finally from <laughs> the journalism degree that gave me my career. Yeah. <laughs> which is the best. Yeah. Got paid for it. I, didn't, I don't have a hex debt. Done. Yeah, exactly. I, I do now, actually. Then I decided to do a journalism degree right. as a mature age student <laughs> because I was like, oh, I'm going to do that now <laughs> just to get that under my belt. Just in case there was something that I didn't know about it. And now, that- yeah. And now I have a $20,000 now I have a $20,000 hex fee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> have you graduated from that as well? Yeah, I graduated from that. Just, <laughs> oh my goodness. It was so behind and irrelevant to journalism today and yeah, to everything wow. I had learned. It was really cool to kind of measure up, measure it up. But it, that course, for anyone that does want to do journalism in new media and digital, like that needs to get updated. Right. I just don't understand. Like people are going to uni and you hear it all the time, like even in other courses or other yes. um, industries. Industries. Areas, like yes. it's like it's not, it does not match up to what's going on in real life at all. Although I kind of appreciated learning about the history of journalism <laughs> and going into all of that, like where it actually all came from. And there are a few things I took away from it, but yeah. nothing like what I learned from being on set at Channel B. Does in some strange way, does that give you another level of confidence? Because sometimes we can think, well, if others have done the course, therefore there might be something else that they know. Um, whereas the going through that realisation, is there a level of um, I don't, it's like a quiet self-confidence, not arrogance, but a, a self-confidence to go, oh, okay, like there is stuff that I know. You've hit the nail on the head. The reason I based um, my decision around doing a journalism degree was based on insecurity because I always felt, obviously, that was my insecurity as well right at the beginning that I was the performer and I was, you know, a great speaker and all of that, but thought that I lacked in that in the producing side of things or the writing side of stuff um, until I learned the skill. So I always felt like I can't put journal- journalist next to my name unless I've done the course. That was a big driving force. It was almost like my career was not enough. I didn't deserve that title because of a really old belief. And I felt like everyone else as well would would, um, perceive it that way. Like other people in other TV networks would, the first thing they would ask is, yeah, yeah, we know you're from Channel V. So did you do journalism? Like I would feel like, oh, I wouldn't want to not be in a position that would benefit. Yeah, I just want to be able to just go, yep which is so against everything that I stand for, but I just, yeah. And you've used the word a couple of times around insecurities. It's something I think we all we all have in different areas. There's all this, um, almost this kind of imposter syndrome if I'm going to be caught out along the way. I remember actually sitting down interviewing um, Gian Rooney mm-hmm. for the podcast and she actually talked a lot about insecurities, almost that they are the root of 
all evil. Oh <laughs> like my the, gosh. That's becomes the the harness of of all of it. Uh, it's something obviously you've mm. you've spoken about that you can see now in mm-hmm. hindsight. I know you've gone through your own kind of spiritual mm. journey. Mm-hmm. Where are you? Where have you arrived at now? I guess around some of those things that were, yeah. I guess, in the past have driven some of those behaviours. Yes, I now? think. Um, I think when I realised I'd grown out of Channel V and I was ready to kind of move on from that, that's when the journey of of kind of figuring out the essence of who I really was started. I was I had time to sort of stop after a whirlwind, you know, five and a half years in television, which is basically I say ten, <laughs> like dog years. Is yeah. that what you add? <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I and full time for that entire yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, yeah. So um, I think f- after that is when I started to go inward and and really figure out what is it because I was losing that sort of passion, like I was saying before, with presenting or being a host. Um, I knew there was something there that I loved about it, but. I hadn't stopped in like five and a half years to go, what, what is it that drove me to this point? And the spiritual journey, I, I saw an esoteric healer for about four years. Um, I had a lot, you know, my parents got divorced. My dad was my idol. And a lot of the driving force around being in the entertainment industry now, long story short, was because I wanted to impress my father. Well, there's, you know, a lot of, lot of, that's very common. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I started delving really deep into my childhood and really bringing awareness to, yeah, what, why, how did I end up here? The last 10 years, I have hustled my way. I've gotten, landed all of the jobs I wanted and, um, and, but why? Like, how did I get here? Like, do you really love it? Like, what was, an insecurity can drive a lot of these, a lot of your successes. It's a really funny thing. Like, um, so I think it was about, I think about three or four years of, I started with the esoteric healer, went went really deep with that, like once a week for four years. Do you know why you started there? Like was there a sense of I've got to, like I've, I've yeah. really got to go in here? I was lost. I was so lost and um, confused with, with who I was and what I wanted to do and why. And that's when people start going, you know, turning towards like they don't, you just don't have a purpose anymore and you go you start going towards alcohol or whatever it is. Like I'm, I, I didn't do any of that, but I started to detach from like relationships and I wasn't saying yes to myself and I wasn't saying yes to anyone around me. I really started to unravel. And I think when I first started seeing my healer, she was the one that kind of gave me that knowledge and understanding around... Um, you know, being connected to the universe and everything that's happened to you today is because of stuff that's happened, uh, traumas that you haven't actually healed. And so that's when the healing started and I started peeling back the layers and really starting to understand, oh my gosh, I did this for this reason and um, because of that hurt that I've held on. Um, I hadn't dealt with some of the stuff in my parents' divorce that trickles down into, you know, 
to the children. Um, and then from there I had met this amazing business kind of, it sounds really cliche, but like life coach is like business with soul. Very similar. He had very similar teachings to like a, a healer, but was, but in business as well, you could kind of marry the spiritual world with the entrepreneurial world. And I pulled it all back and started fresh with him. And he was the catalyst to kind of building this new purposeful, path where I completely reformed, changed who I was fundamentally um, and, you know, started a whole new kind of journey, reinvented myself really. Which sounds easy, right? <laughs> We're sitting here and talking, yeah. describing that journey, but I, I know... Couldn't even really describe it. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not no, really no. making sense here, I, but... but I, yeah, and I know that comes with effort. I know it comes with <sighs> moments where you go, fuck this. I'm yeah. not... Like, I'm done. I've done all my healing. Surely mm. that's it. Yeah, <laughs> You've surely. got to go back in. <laughs> or you think you learn a lesson and then you get smacked in the face yeah. with it again. Well, there's always something else to yeah. learn. Like, there, if you want to go there, you can go there and you can keep you know, peeling back the layers, the higher my, I, you know, I set my, my energy vibration, the more I realise I've got stuff to, to work on. So, it's yeah, it's a... It's just humbling. <laughs> You're like, yeah. give me the six-week course, I'll get the healing sorted and then I can get on with it. Yeah, like, it's yeah. totally humbling. Yeah. If only. What, if only. Uh, be, you know, you kind of described some of those... Um, the decisions I made and can come from those places of insecurities mm-hmm. throughout some of that. And, and as much as you're comfortable to share, mm. what of your own voice did you discover? What are the Ooh. essence of, of you if you were to kind of peel back and come back to and go, that's the thing that's important to me. That's what matters yeah, to the, me. The biggest thing that I realise is important to me is connection. Um connection, connection, connection. It's the thing that drives my love for interviews. It's the thing that drives um, my passion for people. It's the thing that lights me up and gets me motivated every morning. It's the energy around connecting with like-minded people. And I just got chills saying that because mm. I probably have never really said it like that. You know, you do your values and you're like, oh yeah, yeah. connection's one of my values. But to put it like that, it's the driving force and it gave me that very first foundation of what it is I do and why. Like it, everything needs to come back to that at oh, the end of the day. Such a strong purpose. I got goosebumps as well. Yeah, <laughs> like Connection God. to like-minded people. Yeah, I really crave whatever that. Whatever that mm-hmm. format is and therefore the the medium or the, the mm. wow, the, yeah, how you do that if that's not there. Mm. So then even um, even if articulating that is, is something that's just happened now, often, of, obviously the essence of, being, of that has been the building of the new platform yes, for yes. you. So how is that thread That going is a great into, transition. Look at you go, uh, journalist, <laughs> segways. I'll go and get my clock somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've done it. You've done it. Um, Yes, so that was definitely the first kind of realization is that oh my god, I know I'm not going to like I'm not going to give up what I do. I love 
what I do, but what I love, what I love, what I do, what I love about what I do is connecting with people via through storytelling and going going deep. That was my biggest thing. That's what I craved in all of my interviews on air. It's what I realized I crave in all of my personal relationships is to go deep, to kind of get past the surface level conversation and just I want to know how you know how how are you you know. Tell me what's really, what's going, really on. going on. Um, I mean, we'll get back to that because I realise not everyone is like me and I'm coming up against that um, now. But I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have someone to look up to. I didn't have a platform in when I was on, you know, in, in traditional media that I could go to um, for this sort of content that I've now created on the Embed with Carissa network. Obviously, it was a really different time. You know, digital wasn't wasn't as big. Instagram had started. Um, but I think it, it was something, if I had a mentor, maybe things would have been a bit different. And I was so lost in the entertainment world that I just didn't want to, I wanted to create a platform for, for other like-minded people girls and like women and men like me who are creative, who are multifaceted, who, you know, yes, maybe in the entertainment industry, but other industries as well, um, want to navigate who they are and find their purpose and their why, um, and give them, give them some of that, that guidance. And, um, one of the biggest things I'm really empowered by is creativity. I obviously come from a background of creating, wanting to create quality, you know, cut through kind of content that's really cinema, like from a cinematic point of view. Mm. And again, there wasn't that as well. There was like, you know, I, I wasn't connected to Oprah at tw- when I was 25. Like I sort of didn't really connect with her stuff that much. Um, I wanted to read a Vogue magazine because I love art and express- expressing myself through fashion. Not on a surface level. I always loved the deeper story behind it, behind the designers and the craftsmanship behind it all. Um, and then I wanted the kind of spiritual stuff as well. Like, I, But where was that? There was nowhere to be seen on commercial television. It's almost there in buckets. You can have the spiritual, but it has to look boring. It has to it? be, re- <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, 100%. 100%. I was like, why can't, why can't spiritual stuff be, look really, really cool? Because I'm, I'm that girl that wants to be able to be creatively kind of stimulated, but I, I want to go there, mm. you know, and I, I know there are uh, other people like that and it took me a couple of years and uh, of strategizing because I don't do anything without strategizing. I feel like I've said that word a million times, but of really understanding the digital world and, you know, um, digital marketing and that, that format because I had a, had a moment where I was a bit like, you know, what, what the fuck's going on? Like, I'm a, tele- I'm a TV host. I have credibility. What is Instagram? Like, this is pathetic. Like, mm-hmm. I was really resistant to evolving for a good a while there. Yeah. I was confused. I didn't know. I didn't have the information and I wasn't educated in that. And that, the, uh, you know, I did suffer in, in that regard. I really did. How? How did that- I suffered because I was being ignorant and I wasn't, I was choosing to not evolve. Like, I was choosing to be... You know the old um, 
the old like woman that just like refuses to like oh wow am I going to adapt to that technology that new te- <laughs> yeah it was like I was an eighty year old like trapped in a twenty seven year old's body that didn't want to like evolve because I was really set on a on a medium and I really believed in television because that's where I came from and I didn't think any other way. Um, there was lots of learning um, and in that, in that resistance to kind of evolve. Um, but I think when I, I think I didn't want to ho- let go of my old self. I think there was a lot of identity crisis there too, wrapped up in all of that. Mm-hmm. And when I did the, started doing all the, all of the work um, with my healer and my kind of, you know, business coach with soul, that's when I started to go, oh my gosh, the, the essence of what I love with connecting and telling people's stories, that can be done in so many different ways. But I had to A, go on my own personal journey to let go of, of an, like my identity of being this like shiny television host. I had to, that took a long time and I'm, I still go through moments of that, probably mm-hmm. 10% now, but about three years of like 80% of resistance and 30% of like starting to figure out how the this network in bed with, in bed with Carissa was going to look. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did this like, I did this amazing course with Marie Forleo, who is like my idol. She has this course called B-School. And she, when I did that course, that's when this, two and a half years ago, that's when this idea was actually birthed and put into a business model that I could understand. And I was like, oh, I see how this can be a viable business now. I understand. So, Do you mind sharing some of that? Because I think yeah. that's of interest as well because um, – the network, and we'll put all the links on mm. on there. And there's a few different aspects that you mm-hmm. have where you you sit down with um, beautiful people, and you have mm-hmm. really deep conversations. Mm-hmm. You have an arm of it where people actually can send you in mm. questions. So it's quite interactive yeah. in the sense of responding to and getting uh, getting your take or your research on yes. that. Yeah. Um, and then then the, a kind of a studio piece, yeah. which is part of the uh, that creative visual storytelling yes. component. Nailed it again. Oh, see? Nailed it again. Like, absolutely nailed <laughs> Just it. give me a call anytime. <laughs> <laughs> but what's the business model that sits behind that? Because at the moment okay. it's a platform yes. people can go to and interact with and uh-huh. there's a huge amount of production and time, like yeah. I know for this podcast, there is zero commercial reason. I just freaking love doing it. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I can commercialize it and I can sit, but mm-hmm, I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't need to at the moment. I, and, and there are other ways to, but I think for people going into the creative field, mm-hmm. often, and and visual or media, mm-hmm. uh, you we we can look at things and go, oh, that looks amazing. Yeah. Or you're getting tons of followers, or people are liking it. I'm like, yeah, but are you making any money? Yeah, a hundred percent. So, I think from the course that I did, obviously having a digital digital publication is a big beast, um, like. A Mamma Mia or any sort of online platform, I'm just trying to think that similar, um, makes makes money through sponsorships and brand um, alignment and endorsements. Uh, and I knew that obviously working in, in media and, and working with different brands and campaigns anyway, I knew that I could um, kind of go into it with that, with that kind of approach. But my biggest thing was that there wasn't a publication 
that seamlessly worked with brands that were really aligned with the core messaging and value and like values of it's just you know clickbait and you see a million different ads on website that's that's fine it all serves its own purpose i think for me i'm not really driven by money i'm driven by you know amazing creative content that's going to educate people and and motivate people to do whatever it is in their life that they're wanting to do. Like, so for me, there are so many different ways that you, that I can um, monetize it. But I think, I think at the moment, it's a hard one to navigate because at the end of the day, this, this isn't a, I always said, this isn't a blog. It needs to be a business. Um, But I also don't, want a quick buck and I want to make sure that I've got the right sponsors on board who really understand my vision um, and really get the creativity around kind of seamlessly, you know, telling a brand's message into my message where you wouldn't even notice it because it's just actually real and authentic. Like it's this isn't a sales thing where I'm just like, buy this or do that. Like it's, it's not about that at all. Like Mm. it's, it's about, it's about the learning and, um, the mentorship and the, the empowerment that you receive from all of my content. I think if that speaks to millions and millions of people, um, then I've done, then I've done my job anyway. Money is just, unfortunately, I wish it was a bit more of a driver for me, but I know, I know that it will be, that it's something that will be monetized in the right way. But I do, if I'm being really honest with you, like, I feel like I'm navigating that now because mm-hmm. I, I do want to set it up, um, correctly and not just have any sponsor that has money or a budget to throw at it. Yeah. I think it really needs to be aligned with the with the style of interviews I'm doing and, you know, going, dropping the facade and really getting to know these people that I think are on a pedestal. Um, that And that, that, that was the thing I wanted to be able to break that down. It's like there's, there's, there's so much more to be inspired by someone's like who they truly are, their failures, the ins and outs of their experiences. There's so much more people can get out of that than the shiny interview that is just literally like an exchange of promote my album, promote my film, promote my book, see you later, and it's just absolute fluff. Like we live in a day and age now where we don't re- we don't have to do th- do that anymore. I mean, I know the media industry is a big beast, and it might take a while for people to actually come around to that. But there are amazing platforms out there that that are trying to change the game in term in terms of yeah, how do you how do you stick to your to your values? And but then also, you know, I I feel you know our, all of our great work needs to be supported. At the end of the day, I want that message to reach as many people as possible. I want to be able um, to facilitate that, and the world revolves around money. So that's the reality too. And brands will align. I think brands are being called into um, to stand for things in a way that mm-hmm. they never have before. And um, I mean, you're preaching to the converted here in terms of finding a platform and a way to sit down and have those really real conversations. It was part of the impetus for me to even do the podcast. But, and in the same way that I think, you know, there are people that we might know or we've, we know them as a certain persona, mm-hmm. um, 
but they're just trying to figure it out in the same way. And, yeah. and I've been just so... Nobody really knows what they're doing. No one, no. <laughs> some, some people have learned a few things along the way and they're happy to share that. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I continue to get blown away by the generosity of people who I, I get the chance to sit down oh, that's with. that's good, yeah. Who, who actually go... I'm really happy to talk about the stuff absolutely. I'm oh really God. happy to actually share that I'm just trying to figure it out as I go. And if there's anything that I can learn and, that yeah. might be helpful, then I'll share that. And there's with not you. enough of that, that conversation. So I really like commend you for having an amazing podcast that not just talks to people um, at their successful point. Like everyone, you have successful ups and downs throughout your whole life. There shouldn't just be this one peak that everyone strives towards and then that's it. Where do you go from there? Like that that is just one thing I would love to kind of dispel. And the most learning you can get are from people that are still navigating stuff and still, yes, they've got a lot of stuff figured out. Like if you, if you look at the network, it's absolutely beautiful and you would think, oh God, yeah, she really knows what she's doing. Like, you know, there are aspects to stuff obviously that, I, that are my strength, yeah. but there's no one that's running a business really ever knows every single part or can do every single part well. It gets to a point where you are trialling and erring, like, and you are figuring out who who else or who out there that you need that doesn't ha- that you don't have the skill set of that could come in and and facilitate. So yes, and when do I get them? And is when it too do you early? do that? Is it too late? It, and what am I missing? And what yeah. else do I need to be looking at? And I think there's the other part of the conversation that I love, and I'm sure you've touched on to both in your own story, but talking to other people is sometimes we we talk about the successes, but mm. the the hardship can actually happen in the same moment. I know. <laughs> like or five minutes later, is like yeah, that was great, but I was also going through all of this shit at the at same, same time. time. I know. And, uh, and, and, and that's part of the whole, you know, we see the people's highlights, but we don't see their, yeah, their 100%. whole world and we compare that to our world. Yeah, 100%. I mean, one of the biggest things that I kind of teach in the Dear Carissa segments um, is, and one of the things that Rowan, my business coach, taught me, and it's all from the teachings of, of you know, Abraham Hicks and energy vibration and how, you know, everything is, is energy. So if you can drain your subconscious mind... Um, to think in a certain way and you can actually create and attract situations and circumstances in your life to get whatever you want. That was one of the things he taught me four years ago and I have manifested every single thing we have worked on. But it but it took... Takes like work. it, it takes work. Like you mean, I can't just write it down. That <laughs> yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole kind of process. But it's a really big one that I think a lot of people get really. Oh, that's that's a skill I could never like figure out. But I think with the way I was able to digest it and then kind of put it in a dear Carissa segment. If you do go on and have a look at it, I feel, you know, I'm able to kind of break down the steps really simply so you understand how you can change your mindset, what you can do every day, every week to shift old habits and move into a higher vibration. Because when you think about a Beyonce or a Justin Bieber or someone of that magnitude, and, you know, I have met a lot of big famous people, not Beyonce yet, but Justin Bieber, yes. But like there is an energy, like this really good example of being aware of your energy and then where you should, where you like should be aiming for. The energy that someone like Beyonce brings into the room, you know that they're famous, right? Yeah. Don't you? You're like, oh yes. my God, they're different to me. Yeah. There's something really different about her. And it's the way she operates. 
it's the way, it's her daily habits, it's her, it's all of that, like, that make her such a big force of energy, obviously so successful with so much money. Like, you can't do that if you've got horrible habits and you can't, you, you're negative, you're in negative thought patterns and you don't heal traumas and, and whatnot. So... It's a commitment to doing the work. It's I think a commitment it's... to doing and with all of that that I feel is a big part of of what I practice now. Like I can do all of that. But like I was saying to you, like, you know, off mic, I've had like a pretty shitty week. But I know in the in my subconscious mind, I actually know that like I just have this feeling that tomorrow I'm gonna get this this email and something amazing is also gonna happen simultaneously. Like it's not all doom and gloom. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. So in in a week like you've had, what are from a really practical sense, and, mm. and certainly um, we will share the the link so people can have a look at more that mm-hmm. that system and process. But what do you do to reengage your energy? What what are the what are the things that you practically do or have done this week to reset? Yeah. The biggest thing I did um, to reset this week was actually kind of cancel any any plan that I had, and. Uh, take time to to do absolutely nothing. Like I'm talking not one commitment, like shut your phone off, shut your computer off, lie in bed. Like I just need to be in my safe haven and get out a journal and start journaling away. I think journaling is the best way to process what's going on in your head when you don't really understand what's going on. You just know you feel like shit or stuff isn't going your way. Obviously, in turn, if we talk about like vibration, you're in a low vibration. Nothing really is going to happen when you're in that state. So you have to focus on feeling a bit a bit better. So what can you do to get your energy vibration up a little bit more? I always say never go into like anger or, you know, or, sorry, or sadness or kind of shame. You always want to have like a neutral state. Mm-hmm. And I feel like journaling is the is the one way to kind of figure out what what is it that you're feeling and why and what can you do in this moment to just feel that little bit better so you don't end up wallowing in bed all day and and like that's counterproductive but what can is it put on a song and start dancing around the room and being stupid even forcing something like that raises your your vibration like so for me it's about taking an entire day where I don't have one thing or anyone to answer to or commit to and really reflecting and listening in to what has what is coming up for me this week what is it you I was exhausted I was trying to push myself I was trying to be you know start my health kick this week I was trying to do this whole I've got to go to the to Pilates four times a week I need to stop sugar this week so I put all this pressure on me this week um starting to set up a new habit but then you, you know, you get your period and your body doesn't want to start that. And that's where I battle is like your body's telling you one thing, you mm. want to do another. It's not part of my strategy. Like it's Monday. It's not part of my strategy. Yeah, yeah, it's not part of my – so that's where I have to go. But you've got to get over your strategy sometimes. Yeah. Like it, it's just not happening this week. You can start your health kick next week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. be a little bit kinder to yourself. Like – Tune into what is coming up for you this week, and for me, it was a bit of it was a bit of control and expectation. I wanted to control the fact that I wasn't feeling good, and you know, I sort of have really high expectations for myself as well and everyone around me. And when those aren't met, I get really, really, really triggered. So, yeah, at the end of the day, like it's no one it's no one else's responsibility or issue. It's always something going on 
within me that I that I think is one thing I'd love to teach people. It's never it's never your boss or your partner or your mum that's made you pissed off. Mm. Like try and flip it and, and think about what it is that's triggered you and why and like get a pen and paper out and you'll be so surprised as to what actually comes out and how it's a, a complete mirror to and an opportunity to heal. Such good learning and I love that sense of the pen and the paper are the way yeah. you can kind of navigate and get yeah. to that. You don't even think you're going to write anything down, but <laughs> like, next minute you've, wrote, you've written a novel. like Ten pages and got a bit of an aha. Yeah, and moment. there's a bit of resistance for people. Like I feel like a lot of people are like, I just don't like, have, like I don't want to write it down. But you're resisting. You're resisting finding out. what comes out. Yeah, what's going to come out. That's why you don't want to do it, really. Yeah. You're fearful of the real getting to that deep-seated issue. Um, Doesn't which have I'm, to be perfect. No one no, needs to read it. No. no one needs to see it. Which I'm not afraid of, which, I th- you know, at the start of this podcast I was saying to you how, you know, I am someone really open and the thing that triggers me is that I've realised that not everyone else is. Mm-hmm. So the expectation that I feel sometimes is that if you're not open and I feel a sense that you're closing or shutting me out, I'm kind of like, what? What is going on here? Why are you... Sh- no, 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 no. So that is like re- a really big thing I'm learning at the moment. Although I'm th- that way and I strive and push myself to be more and more vulnerable, mm-hmm. um, other people are not where you're at and you have to honour and acknowledge that too. It doesn't... And, it, and I take it personally. Like yeah. I, I have to at the moment navigate that that is not personal and just you can't frustrate you that someone doesn't want to open up to you. But it does. Yes. It makes me feel like we're not connecting. Yeah, 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 which is the purpose again. There it is. I'd love to come full circle. The name of this podcast is called Standout Life. When you hear that, what does it mean to you to live a standout life? I think to live a standout life to me is to fully embrace and understand, like have an understanding of who I am the good, the bad, and the ugly, and being able to be really proud of all aspects of who I am. That's to live a, a really standout, true life for me, is being able to, you know, be my whole self all of the time. I'd sign up for that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Carissa. Thank you for having me. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's episode, then there's every chance that you might also enjoy reading a copy of my book called Stand Out, a real world guide to get clear, find purpose and become the boss of busy. You can grab a copy by heading to my website, www.alisonhill.com.au. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd love it if you could take a few moments, pop over to iTunes and give this podcast a quick rating so that we can continue to share these conversations with people around the world. As always, I'm Ali Hill and this is Standout Life.